Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live.
welcome everybody to the Tigers Club in Ensenada, Baja, California, Mexico for Baja Racing News Radio Live. Hey, thanks very much for being here and I know that uh, some of you are here for the first drink and that's not a problem. First drink is on us, so enjoy the evening and um, uh, highly recommend the uh, uh, the. Uh, garlic shrimp tonight. Uh, it's all fresh, right from San Felipe. Even though we're on the Pacific side, some of the best uh, uh, seafood, both from the Sea of Cortez and from the Pacific, is had right here in uh, Ensenada. So uh, everybody have a good time tonight. We're going to enjoy a little bit of music, and then of course we'll have special guests tonight to talk about the Baja 1000 Desert Off-Road Race coming up this Friday.
We're live at the Tiger's Cave here in Ensenada, Baja, Mexico. Thank you very much for uh, coming in tonight. I know you're here for the drinks and, of course, the uh, uh, the great food here at uh, Tiger's Cave. Uh, we're right on Bahia, Ensenada, right on the water. Uh, what a great sunset we had tonight. And, of course, now the Baja Stars are surrounding us and uh, uh, creating dreams, right, tonight for uh, uh, upcoming Baja 1000 on Friday. You're uh, around the world. This is uh, Baja Racing News Radio Live. And um, we're going to be uh, uh, graced by a couple of uh, very important guests tonight. So stand by, and we'll, we'll bring those guests up to the front here, and we'll hear all about their Baja 1000. Safari.com, the king of Baja. 
Well, welcome to the Tiger's Cave. Who's this? Baja Bill, how are you? Hey, Baja Bill, great. Uh, let's uh, let's just hang on for a couple of minutes. We're going to wait for uh, uh, Perry McNeil to tune in, and then we'll get on with uh, our conversation of this year's Baja 1000, would you? Great, great. Thank you. Thank you. Listen in. Remember about the mute? Yeah. You want me to put it on mute? Yeah, you need to mute. All right.
aguas calientes. I needed some love. Se me paro, 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 paro. I saw a muñeca. I said hello. No tengas miedo. No soy animal. Let's get together and make love tonight. Se me paro, 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 paro. She sat down beside me. She looked so fine. I put on some music, some rhythm and blues. Me dio un abracito. Well, we're going to have to come back to that. Perry, are you on? Uh, this is actually Mark. Oh, hey, Mark. How are you? Pretty good. How are you, too? Great, great. Hey, listen, uh, I'll put you guys, guys all together now. Now, is Perry going to come on on a different phone, or are you uh, just on right yourself? I'm by myself right now. That's cool. We'll, we'll introduce you. And, Bill, go ahead and come up on... Uh, on the phone now, you can uh, uh, cue your mute. All right, uh, took it off mute. That sounds great. All right, everybody, this is Baja Racing News Radio Live, and uh, we're at the Tiger's Cave in Ensenada, and uh, we want to thank thank Hector uh, for the great music uh, that he's uh, uh, set up for us, and, and of course, we'll get back to that uh we're right in the middle of that song, and uh, uh, we we cut in, but uh, we've got some really really excellent. Uh, uh, callers in uh, uh, to the show today, so we'll definitely get on with that. This is Baja Racing News Radio Live. Uh, your host, Monster Mike, and a, and a, and a host of other uh, characters. Uh, Perry, are you on? Uh, yes, I am. Okay, I got you. I, I can see you on the uh, monitor here. Okay, great. Uh, so we have uh, uh, King of Baja, Perry McNeil, uh, and we also have a a vested driver in his own rights, and that's uh, Mark McNeil. He just happens to be Perry's son, and, mm-hmm. and a, a, he's a championship desert off-road. Ra- right, Mark? Uh, yeah, we have one yeah. championship right now. That's right. Uh, so, uh, And we also have uh, Baja Bill Fuentes on board. Hey, guys. How you doing, Bill? Good, man. Hey, Mark, uh, congratulations. you got a good... Uh lead there for you and your dad to teach you the ropes yeah yeah i definitely do i appreciate it <laughs> all right well then let's uh let's get on with this now uh very interestingly uh in last night's show uh we did a campfire show and essentially um uh had uh, uh perry tell us about uh the uh, second half uh, of this Baja 1000 and his pre-run. Now, Mark, you did the you did the first half. Uh, Mark, why don't you tell us uh, how your pre-run uh, went uh, for the first half of uh, of the section that you're driving? Um, it was good. Um, we left Ojos probably around 10 or 11, not too sure. Ended up meeting up with some guys from Mayhem Off-Road Racing, but we took off and it was going going pretty good. Nothing. Nothing too bad. A couple of tilt beds here and there, um, but nothing that w- I would that I worried I would worry about, you know. Um, and then uh, after that, after probably about thirty or forty miles, we came to a came to a bottleneck. Um, it was a super steep uh, incline, 
And uh, we got there, and there's already probably four, five or six cars already piled up. Um, do, you know what, Ray, do you know what uh, mile marker it was at? I don't exactly know. That's um, okay. Go ahead. But anyways, there was a, a little Volkswagen stuck on a hill. It, I guess it had died before we got there or whatever and couldn't make it up the hill. And I guess they'd been there for quite some time. Um, and we showed up and with, with our two cars, and right after we got there, three more cars showed up. So we ended up um, getting two razors to pull the Baja bug up and out of the way. Um, and they ended up, everyone ended up going up no problem, and we got out of there and kept on going, made it to, to the highway crossing right there, which uh, right up was a Raptor San Vicente, um, and continued on there onto the beach section. The beach section was fine. Nothing, nothing too gnarly. Um, and after that, now, now when you now when you say beach section at San Vicente or near there, uh, is it directly on the beach or is it uh, it's it's up on the bluff, right? Yeah, there yeah there is um, quite a few miles like you know up in the mountains, and then you do drop down onto the beach um, for probably about four or five miles, I think I want to say if I remember correctly. Um, that you're right there on the sand on the beach, which uh, which was kind of nerve-wracking. And in in our pre-order, you know, we we had a, a misfire, and one of the motors we just or one of the wires we just couldn't figure it out, and went into town to get parts, but no one had parts for it, so we just ran it how it was. But I mean, we never got stuck, and we made it through everything. But after right after that, before right as you get into San Quintin or through San Quintin, I guess you'd say there is some some pretty some pretty gnarly silt beds from last year's 1000 i want to yeah last year's 1000 we went through but um they were they were wide this year just from all pre-running and then i guess from last year's thousand as well so considering your considering your start time on friday when do you see a sundown happening what mile marker do you think you'll get to by sundown um well considering last year uh i think that was a little longer though but semi by the time i got to semi center right there it was already dark so I mean, I'd probably say about about the same place. Um, wow. So we'll see. I mean, it's it sucks, but it just just is what it is. You know, I think they start they started pretty late last year. And I'm pretty sure they're gonna start at the same time this year, but it is what it is. You know, so I'm pretty sure most of my drive will be through through all throughout the night or at least dark. You know, so it gets dark what at five thirty now. Yeah. So go ahead. You now you're through and past San Quintin. Uh where does it go after that? Um, after San Quintin you you go past the old mill and you come out to the highway right there, like right south of San Quintin. Um and then you get on the highway and I wanna say you're on the highway all the way to pretty much El Rosario. Um and then from El Rosario, right before you get into town there's a usually you go left and come out on the north side of El Rosario, but this time you went right, um, and you're on the south side. And there's actually a pretty steep incline right there off the, right off the highway. You have to go up, but we made it up. And from there, you dropped into uh, dropped into a, a really narrow wash. You did a wash for quite some time, and then you dropped into the big wash right there of El Rosario. And then after that, you crossed through, went through right right through El Rosario and the wash, and kept going, and then. After that, where do we go after that? Um, well, that, that's I'll, okay. Keep keep thinking about it, and let me just orient everybody. Uh, okay. uh, f- folks, uh, this is you're listening in to Baja Racing News Radio Live. 
uh, live from the Tiger's Cave in Ensenada. Uh, we've got uh, guests uh, Mark McNeil uh, on the line right now telling us about the first half of the uh, pre-run uh, of the Baja 1000 race course. Uh, upcoming, the start is uh, this Friday. Uh, live coverage starts at 5 a.m. The motos start at 6, and the trucks this year will be starting at around 11 a.m., uh, as a result of a time change because of a parade happening in town in Ensenada. Also on the line, uh, we've got uh, King of Baja, Perry McNeil, and Baja Bill Fuente. So uh, at this point, Bill, do you have any questions for Mark? Not really. I was just uh, kind of uh, surprised. I don't know if I'm pleased about it, but I just don't know. Is uh, When you go into El Rosario, instead of going left, you're going right. That's just new uncharted territory. Is that right, Mark? Yeah. Last year, like I said, last year we – we made a left off the highway and kind of followed the north side of El Rosario. And then this year, like, not much after that, that highway where you get off the highway right there, you make a right. Um, mm-hmm. And you go, yeah, you go on the, the south side. It takes you, I guess, along the beach some more. And then it pushes you down in the in the, uh, in the the wash closer to the beach. Hmm. But, uh, but, yeah. Now, Mark, I, I know. Hey, hey, Mark, one of the things that uh, I had a, a brief chat with uh, Steve Myers, who – uh, is a racer. He's also a vendor uh, for uh, race tracking services. And he was mentioning that uh, he got done with uh, his first half in just a few hours. It went really quick, most notably because of uh, there's so much highway. Uh, do you see any uh, challenges, problems with jumping on and off the highway so much? Um. No, not really. Just right there, coming off, like I said, right in El Rosario, um, the Blazer we were with, they had a hard time getting up there. It took them two or three times to make it up it because um, the ruts were already so deep. They got they were getting high-centered. Um, so, I mean, once the tow trucks go through there, you know, I think it's going to be definitely a problem right there. And it's it's not even the, – the hill climb is not even 50 yards off the highway. So, I mean, that might be a problem if there's a bottleneck there, if you want to bunch up on the highway, I think, because there's nowhere to go once you get off. So, was there and that, how much was the, how much was new, like new bladed, you know, like they converted some cattle trail into a into a road? How much of that did you see? Um, I don't, I don't really really remember seeing much of that. It was pretty, it's pretty rough most of the time. Obviously, the beach section was had some nice uh, some nice roads to it, but. I mean, once you got up on top right there at El Rosario, it was pretty smooth. There wasn't uh, once you climbed that hill, it was all pretty smooth until you dropped into the wash. And then once you dropped into the wash, obviously it was switch or you know switchbacks and technical and whatnot. But how far south that, did how far south did you pre-run to? I, I went to Catavina. And then where where did you spend the night? Um, Friday or Saturday night, we stayed in San Quintin, and then. Um, Sunday night we just stayed in. We just actually we just drove all the way back to um, to well made it to Colonet for the night and then stopped off right there at that hotel and slept the, yep. rest of the night there just because we were yep. so tired. But now on race day, uh, where are you handing off the rig to your dad? Uh, check three. I think it's Catavina. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so he gets in from there. Gotcha. Any any tricks that you guys have talked about about uh, how you're going to hand this thing off and any strategies in this particular event? Um, just to stay away from the silt. That's pretty much all we've talked about this since we both got back. Is just how bad the silt is. So that's that's our only plan right now. It's just to stay away from the silt. Uh, 
I mean, even pre-running and like I said, we don't have a lot of horsepower in that in the vehicle that we were pre-running in. So, and I definitely don't want to get stuck. So we were, I was dodging all of the the silt beds as possible. And the, the guys with me um, that were in that blazer, they ended up blowing a motor. But so they hopped in with me, and they both of them were kind of questioning what I was doing every time we came to the silt bed, just because I didn't, I don't want to get stuck. That's probably the worst place to get stuck is the silt bed. So I was just anywhere, anytime I saw a silt bed coming up, I just either darted left or right and went all the way around it and just followed my GPS back to to the highway, you know. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good strategy. Course. Now, on the on the access roads, uh, are those well marked, or are those just, uh, you know, things that uh, need to be mapped and, and you need to know them before you get down there? Um, we didn't use any of the access roads um, at all, so I'm not too sure about that. The only one that I was uh, worried about was after El Rosario. No, after El Rosario, you get off, you get off the highway, um, or get onto the highway, I mean, from the race course, and you're on the highway for about six miles. And right as you're, well, when you get back on, there was, it was poorly marked getting back onto uh, the race course. There's a, it's a sharp left, and it's kind of like on the crest of a hill, so you didn't see it coming up. And there were, I don't remember any markings. I mean, we missed it half of the UE. That was the only place, but being race day, there'll probably be quite a few cars there, so you won't miss that. Gotcha. Well, one of the things, I'll, let me make a note for you. <laughs> Uh, we did get a couple of uh, team access uh, map uh, access roadmaps that we'll be posting on BajaRacingNews.com uh, tonight. So take a peek at those. They should be as close to the top of the page as possible. And I think they're they're good maps. They're uh, uh, you know they're they're uh, from a team that uh, has done a pretty good job at uh, knowing that area. So uh, take a peek at those. They might help you out. Uh, but, hey, listen, thank you very much for taking the time and coming on the show tonight and telling us about uh, your ride. Uh, and good luck to you on uh, on Friday for the race. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. Hey, Mark, let me, let me just jump in. Hey, Mark. Uh, yeah. I'm a very big proponent of not saying good luck. Have fun, and your luck will come. Yeah, that's our, that's, uh, <laughs> that's our plan. We're just uh, – hopefully we can – the biggest thing is I still want to get stuck, and hopefully it doesn't rain. That's the biggest thing. But, I mean, if it rains, it helps still out, I guess. So we'll see. We're, we'll go out there and have fun, and hopefully we win again. There now, you go. Bill, do, hey, Bill, do you have any other questions for uh, for Mark, considering that he saw the, the whole first uh, half of the race course? Not really. Um, you know, my only concern has always been uh, rain. Um, in 1976, uh, the race was delayed one day. Uh, torrential rain, and they had to uh, run down the, the entire peninsula and, and tell people. And you know, people didn't know what was going on. Things have changed, of course, now four decades later. So no, I, I'm just you know the rain is always going to be a problem. We have El Nino coming up, and um, that would be the only thing. I agree with Mark. That, that would probably be just the uh, the rain. Yeah, and then uh, let's let's move on to uh, Perry now. Now Perry, uh, he's going to get you're going to get the rig at near Catavina, and then take it uh, for the the route that you uh, you pre ran this past weekend. If you don't mind, Perry, would you would you tell us about your pre run from this past weekend? Um, first of all, thanks for having me on, uh, Mike. Appreciate it. And hi to you, Bill. Uh, hey. No, it was uh, it was good. We had a real good uh, a pre-run. We uh, the lot of silt beds uh, at between Catavina and El Crucero. Um, I figured whoever doesn't get stuck is going to win the race there. Um, pretty much because there's so, there's so many places to get stuck. It's it's crazy down there, and that and there's a lot of there's a lot of people that just take off this whole week to pre-run. So they were bad. The the roads were bad last week, 
they're going to be twice as bad next week, I think, you know, during the race, you know, so it's going to be a uh, uh, survival of the fittest for not getting stuck. To, there's already so many big rigs down there with, with 40 inch, you know, 39, 40-inch tires. They're digging holes, digging ruts. And once you're, once you get in those ruts, you're committed. You can't, uh, you can't get out of them. And uh, you don't want to stop either, so you just keep on going. and get deeper and deeper, and your, your highest energy on the car I'm driving has 35-inch tires, so that's going to be a be a, a definite problem in the, in the Baja Bug. We're racing the Class Five, my son and I are. But um, yeah, it took us a whole lot of hours. I was surprised how many hours it took us to get to do that 120 miles, something like that. That's the highway. It took us uh, probably six hours, something like that. Of course, for a couple of hours we're pulling pulling the but stuck people out. There's a lot of a lot of uh, probably wasting two hours in there, welding one guy's uh, car back together, and then uh, towing other vehicles out. You know, they're they were stuck in the silt beds. But um, uh, but it's it's the, the parts that are faster, faster, and then where they're silted, they just the man they they grab you and they don't let go in that section. Wow. Silt. Yeah, so, so Bill, do you, Bill, do you have any questions for Perry? No, I, when you when you talk to a veteran like that, I mean, questions he's probably been asked the same thing over and over again. No, I don't. I mean, I just uh, I, I listen very intently to what these uh, drivers say, especially Perry. He's been around for ages and he's, and he's very successful. Um, so I listen very carefully because this is the person that you would want to listen to if you're uh, going to do things in your mind and, and think about it over the uh, over the before the race. Uh, one of the things that I thought uh, you'd be interested in, uh, Bill, was that uh, uh, you know the uh, the environmental uh, uh, lobby in Mexico now has a good deal of control over what Roger's doing as far as uh, route making. And one of the things that I'm hearing is is that uh, from interviews that were conducted in Ensenada last weekend, is that the um, the authorities are no longer allowing Roger to go through Kalamue and uh, some, some several other uh, really notable uh, sections that uh, were traditional Baja racing routes. Uh, Perry, uh, what's the condition uh, of the, the new stuff that's cut, or at least the new uh, routing, um, in and around uh, Laguna Ch- Chapala? Uh, well, we jumped the highway probably about uh, 10 miles south of El Crucero. And we come back through El Crucero and then uh, head and actually catch the road that goes into Calabahoy and go in there about maybe 10 miles or less and then hang a left towards uh, Laguna Chapala and end up uh, crossing over on the east side of Chapala, uh, Laguna Chapala. Um, like I told you last night, this is the first time I've ever seen Laguna Chapala with water in it. Not that it's, it doesn't have it real often, but uh, I've never seen it in all the 39, 40 years I've been racing, I've never, never seen water in it. But there's, we don't always go by real close there anyway. You know, if I was surprised to finally see it with, with water in it after all these years. But uh, uh, now I have maybe four or five inches of water kind of at the south, uh, at the north, uh, sorry, at the northeast end. It were collects a little bit there. But uh, anyway, they, there's a section where you have to actually get on the highway after you leave El Crucero. Because there, I guess there are no roads in, roads uh, left in there to, to go on, so you have to come out the highway for uh, about five or six miles and go around, go uh, turn around back, uh, go back in. I think it'd be a shame if it is. Highway crossings are always dangerous. You have to stop the traffic, and and uh, and when you come out, you come out right up against the mountain. 
And so mm-hmm. it's kind of it's going to be kind of, kind of dangerous. Uh, well, it's, it'll be something if we had an accident on the highway because of the uh, because they don't want us going through Frog Canyon, or which is Kalamahuay. Frog, Frog Canyon, I guess, to the, the Gringos, but that's Kalamahuay. Yep. It'd be a, a shame if somebody ends up having a, an accident, a serious accident on the highway to to miss the frogs down there. That that section of surprise because they, it, there's one, there's only one road through there. It, you can't really uh, veer off the left or right because it's like a swamp in there. You know, so you have to stay right on the race course. You know, the whole time. So I'm really surprised that they would close that down to the racers because it's um, it's gorgeous. I I'm, I'm sad that they're Getting us out of there. I always love that section. I love that. Uh, that uh, sometimes I <laughs> I hate it because it's uh, the, the water that comes out of there is, is super high min- mineral content. It seems like it's uh-huh. almost like uh, running down on the ocean. Man, you get some water. You get that water on your spark plug uh, wire stuff, and they they tend to miss, but they it, it doesn't miss at other times when you have just plain uh, rainwater. It doesn't you never stalls out your water seems like. But boy, it's salt water is is the worst, and then this this water in this uh, Kalamahuay is you know, like real high mineral content. When you get wet, you can actually smell real like high minerals of sulfur or something in the water. But uh, we no longer go through there, so but we do have to get on the highway for a section of five or ten miles uh, because there are no roads to to, to stay on there to, for a section. Then they they cut us back in just before Chapala, and then. Um, and then we go hit the, the road that go, comes in from the highway to Coco's Corner. And just past Coco's Corner is the highway. And it's, uh, I think, so, so like 60, 70 miles of highway all the way up, back up to uh, the other side of Puerto Cito where we, we abandoned the highway. So there's going to be a lot of highway running. Like I said, 128 miles of highway running in, in this race. So I don't give this, give us like 700 miles of off road to have a, have a thousand because there's 100. 20 or 158, something like that, highway miles in this race, you know. But uh, Yeah, is it fair to say that this is going to be a fast event? Um, I kind of think if it wasn't for that section down at um, uh, where I'm talking about, that, uh, like, mile marker, see, I'm getting in at uh, 350, from 350 to, to 450, somewhere around there, there's 100, that's going to be... Because of the silt bed, I think that it's going to be real tough for anybody to make it through that that section without getting stuck. I really think it's going to be really tough to not uh, um, get through to get through that section and not get stuck at least once, you know. But uh, like I said last night, it's, I kind of feel like whoever doesn't get stuck is going to win this race. You know, if you do, if you're in your in your class and you don't get stuck, then that's going to put you an hour uh, out in front of everybody else uh, in your class because it's. Uh, it's so it's so uh, there's so many silt, but they're already already so deep. You know, they're super super deep right now. So anyway, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a somewhat survival of the fittest. There's one trophy truck that's four wheel drive, and if he doesn't, uh, I, I, I used to race class one for years and years, and I always hated being the first uh, vehicle on the on the uh, um, on the race course. Because I was always surprising, you know, spectators and ranchers and stuff that weren't expect, expecting a, you know, a car right. hauling, hauling butt around the corner or over a hill or something. It makes it real dangerous. I, I never did like getting the first first car. I didn't even last rear start because I had so many close calls when I was leading the race back back in the day when I raced class one, you know. And so I, mm-hmm. so this this uh, Toby truck that's out there, he's uh, if he makes it to the silt beds, 
he should have a, a pretty easy um, way through there, hopefully being a four-wheel drive. Of course, on the other hand, when you get a four-wheel drive stuck, it takes a tractor to pull you out. You don't, you don't, <laughs> yank, a, you don't yank a four-wheel drive out of the, out of the silt. You know, it, it's, if you get stuck, you'll be there longer than a two-wheel drive would have been probably. You know, so. Hey, Bill, do you have any questions for Perry? No, but I, I just wanted to say something. My, my dad bought a, a from Wayne Miner, Larry Miner's a, a brother, a four-wheel drive Bronco back in 72, and he got on the uh, south of uh, San Ignacio. There was, a, there was a dry lake, I believe it was, and he got buried all the way up to the uh, to the frame. Um, and, and there's a picture of it, a black and white, that I think uh, Trackside took. And I agree with the with Perry. Uh, these four wheel drives, you know, you're going to grind, grind, grind yourself if it's wet, and you're going to just bury yourself. So, like he's saying, you know, stay on top of it. Uh, what Ivan Stewart did in one year that that it rained, <clears throat> he just took off and uh, just left the mark course, and he took the high ground and hint um, hint to Perry uh, in a class five. That <laughs> that's probably going to be a an option you might want to consider. It's just a friendly suggestion here. Yeah, I do that for the for the silt beds. I just uh, like I told uh, Mike last night. I I have the utmost respect for for uh, pit bulls, um, uh, silt beds, and uh, Dobermans. <laughs> I steer right. away from all, all three of those, and I just uh, if I have to take the high ground and and get a flat or two, I don't care. If I have to go tr- blaze a trail, you know, or whatever, I, I'll do that. You know. And I, well, I negotiate. I can negotiate the silt beds pretty good, you know. But I, I don't want to, it doesn't go through a full blast. I just because uh, they, they get deeper and deeper and deeper. Then when you get the, especially in the past when we don't have the, those big tires, the Toyota trucks still have the the forty inch tires, which is a big big uh, help, you know. But uh, when you come through there with the thirty five inch tire, after the forties have been through there with uh, eight hundred horses, man, it's it's really <laughs> tough. You, you you can't you can't just uh, commit yourself and get in and just pedal the metal. You gotta you gotta pick your way through it. You know? Yeah, that that stuff gets ground into talcum uh, for sure. Hey, when it's dry. Hey, Perry, why don't, why don't we you talk about uh, that you ran into that one silt bed area and there were a bunch of vehicles. Let's let's drop some names like you did last night. Who'd you yank out of there? Uh, Jesse, Jesse Jones was uh, was stuck to the hill. He actually got stuck, no, he got stuck a couple of times down there. There were some Mexicans uh, with a really nice fork. Uh, long travel uh, uh, buggy with a big V and stuff in it. They were they were to the hill. I I think that uh, Jesse Jones got stuck because they were stuck there first, and he came up behind him and had no choice, you know, but to bury it. And then um, uh, Todd Romano, he was he was uh, to the hill uh, there a couple of times. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Robbie Rob uh, Archibald. He's actually once he takes the green flag. He will have won the, the championship this year in Class One down there, which is really really good. But he was—he's he, one that had the problem with the, uh, the power steering pulley that was uh, spinning on the shaft. So I welded the nut to the pulley for him and, and uh, got him out of there. Then he went got stuck and had to be pulled out again. But yeah, it's those silt beds—they grab you, they don't let go. Like hey, a pitbull, hey pitbull Bill, let go. yeah, Perry Perry pulled out like ten guys out of one silt bed. Well. In the in the '72 race, I just want to finish off this. Wayne Miner, the the one who had, had sold my dad that Bronco, was the one who was trying to pull my dad out, and Wayne uh-huh. just took off. Wayne took off, so there was a fist fight at Parker a few months later. <laughs> so yeah, don't don't abandon people out there. Um, you know, Perry, thank you for doing that. I mean, that's that's just what we do. 
That's what we do. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't do it, there's going to be some repercussions, whether it's a, a fist fight or just a, some name calling. Uh, we got to help each other out down there. I'd like to talk about radio procedure later in the, the, the broadcast here. But, Perry, I, I wish you uh, a lot of fun. Um, smile when you go through that stuff and just uh, stay out of that silk. Well, oh, yeah. hey, Bill, now that's a, that's a great topic. Why don't we talk about that? Go ahead and lead the conversation. What do you want, what, what do, you want to get at? Well, I just want to, you know, uh, I've worked with uh, Bob Steinberger, weatherman. Uh, I think it was probably starting in, well, way before 1995 when, when I was doing accident investigations for Danny Coe when he was president of SCORE and, and HGRA. Um, you know, with radio procedures, uh, for those who are not familiar with them, uh, we're on a... a uh, not a citizen band, but we're on like an FM or commercial band radio, and and Weatherman's frequency is is posted, and you know we hear he hears everything. When we're up in the airplane, we hear everything from the wives calling their husbands who are off fishing down in San Ignacio. They'll say, "What do you want for dinner tonight, honey?" And we can hear all that stuff. So, um, on radio procedures, if you don't need to be on the radio and asking for status, please don't. If your car is late. Just uh, be patient. Uh, listen carefully before you you contact Weatherman uh, for status. Um, you know, listen to who he's talking to and and what's going on, and realize that that he's hearing everything. Him and Bob uh, Robert Thompson and whoever's going to run the other uh, sections of the course, because they hear everything, they write copious notes. They'll come back to you. They will come back to you, and if they don't, they'll apologize. But uh, what I want to talk about is, is also if you have a code red situation when there's a uh, an accident where there's injuries, whether it's race related or not, um, take a few extra moments before you just say, "Hey, weatherman, I got a code red down here, mile marker, you know, 386." Uh, if that's all you're going to report, then that doesn't help. If you've just taken a couple extra minutes, what race vehicle number is involved? How many people are involved? What are the nature and extent of the injuries? Those kinds of things are very, very important so that Weatherman just uh, copies it down on his uh, legal pad and writes it, writes it all down so that he can rebroadcast it and get uh, resources to the area uh, quickly. I, I think that's the most important thing. Well, and let, let's talk about that more. Uh, when, so when you're calling in a code red, uh, what information does Weatherman need when you're calling in? Race mile marker, who's involved, it doesn't need to be names. Is it, is it a chase vehicle? Is it a spectator vehicle? Is it a race vehicle? Uh, have they rolled over? Um, is anybody trapped? What kind of resources are necessary? Do we need paramedics? Or is it just a tow truck? Whatever. And then what constitutes an emergency? Well, certainly not a stuck vehicle. Certainly not a, a getting a status just because your vehicle is late. What constitutes an emergency is something where there's uh, injury, a serious injury. And uh, or somebody's trapped and they have to get out. Now that's rare when somebody gets trapped, but uh, just you know injuries, so that we can get the resources down there uh, to the uh, to the location as quickly as possible. And uh, what is? Do you have Weatherman's frequency at the tip of your tongue? Yes, it's uh, yes, one fifty one dot six two five. I'll say it again, one five one dot six two five. Yep, and most racers know it. They use it. They know how to do it. But uh, just in case uh, folks don't understand, there is a radio net that is called Weatherman, and that radio net essentially 
covers a, a great majority of the the race course area, and and that network, that net, is used to call in emergencies, and it's also used to uh, uh, for uh, relays. Correct. Correct. And then the other thing I wanted to say, when I it was uh, if if you have a handheld, and and people rarely call on a handheld, he can hear you, and you can hear him. Try and get though to a mobile unit, something that's in a car uh, or truck, and because uh, those are they have larger antennas, they got more wattage and power. Uh, and then also, as a as a friendly suggestion, if you have a mobile radio, if you acquire one before the race, whether you're renting it or you buy it, please try and hook it up directly to your battery. Do not use a cigarette lighter, please. Uh, you'll you'll just you won't charge up as fast. You won't broadcast as loud. And then, uh, you know, of course, run your motor every once in a while um, because we can hear it uh, when it's it's waffling. It kind of goes in and out, in and out, in and out. And that's because the battery is dying. So run your motors, um, you know, as a precaution. Unplug your microphone when you're not using the radio. Please, please unplug it or just set it up on your dashboard because we get a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but we get some that sit on, they throw the uh, the microphone on their, their chair or their seat they jump in the car and they take off and they're sitting on it and it's broadcasting and it's called dead air. We're yeah, that- it, yeah, it's keyed. <laughs> and then, and then not only do we hear uh, you almost exclusively, but it also blocks out uh, important communication. Yeah. And we really don't care about, you know, we don't want to hear about uh, how, how you're, you're going to be getting to the next checkpoint. Cause that's all we're going to hear, you know, and what we, what we want is, is people to be able to, uh, again, if you're if you have an emergency, you know, go to the fre- frequency, gather the information that you can you can gather, uh, and then report it. And then that way, uh, uh, if it, if it is a true emergency, just say weatherman. Uh, this is and identify yourself too. However you want to, this is Chase five zero eight. I have a code red, or I have an emergency. And that's when Bob will go ahead and say, all right, we're going to code red this channel. No uh, statuses or anything. Go ahead with your uh, broadcast. And then they'll they'll go ahead and and broadcast their information. Uh, Perry, do you have any questions for uh, Baja Bill? Hey, Perry? Well, maybe maybe Perry's on uh, on hold right now taking care of some business. Mark, are you still – Mark, are you still there? Yes, I am. Mark, do you have any questions for Baja Bill? Uh, nothing I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let, let's 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 wrap it up, uh, Mark. Uh, why don't you uh, tell us what uh, uh, what class you're going to be racing in? Uh, what's your race number and uh, uh, the race team and everything? And we'll we'll follow you on BajaRacingNews.com. Um, I'm in the Amigo Tech. It's a five limited car. Um, We've been number 500 for the last seven or eight years. Um, being that we didn't race, the only race we raced last year was a thousand. Um, we weren't points championship, or we didn't win the points championship. So I don't know what number we're going to be. Um, we're usually 519 uh, if we're not at the champion. But um, being that no one registered or has registered so far, it says that we're number 500. So, um, but yeah, I mean it's a five limited car. The car is dialed. Um, like I said, I've been racing for the last two two years. It'll be the third year, and like I said, it's only uh, only thing I've had to go bad with it would be a would be a CV. And um, other than that, I mean, the car is flawless. It runs good. It's 
works really good. And it's, uh, I love, I honestly, I love the car to death. Where is it prepped at? Um, Amigo Tech does all the prep in-house um, for the most part. Uh, I know McDowell does all the transactions and whatnot out there right here in San Diego. And I want to say Fat does the motors. I'm not 100% sure, but I mean, other than that, I mean, the car works really good. It's always prepped and never had any issues or anything like that. Yeah. And then you and your dad drive the wheels off it. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Uh, last year's, was it last year's? No, two years ago, we got to uh, the finish line in and we barely made it. The car, the poor car took a beating that year. And I mean, we made it there. I think one of the other drivers actually, they got stuck in a hole and they were trying to pull them out. They ripped the back of the car off. We'll try to rip the back of the car off. The whole engine cage and everything was, uh, was starting to break and fall off, but they uh, took it back in, and that was two years ago, and we raced it last year, and it's been no issues last year um, that we had. You know, everything held up, and she took a beating, and last year we won a thousand. So, of course, the car is like nine years, eight or nine years old. They they wanted uh, to rebuild a new one for the last two or three years, but they keep running the same chassis, and it's it's holding up. They've obviously gusted it a lot more than what it was, but it's uh, still a really really good car. You know, especially how, how good it works. And, I think it'll be hard to get our uh, get a new car dialed to work as good as this one does. So no question about it. Well, listen, as mentioned, we wish you the best of luck, uh, and as Bill mentioned, also have fun. Uh, have uh, hey, fun. Bill, uh, thanks yes, so sir. much for tuning in tonight. Uh, Mark, yes. you too. Thanks very much for tuning in to Baja Racing News Radio Live. Anything else that you guys need to ask, and then we'll wrap up the show. That uh, sounds like Life is a one-lap race. Uh, Bob Bauer wrote, and he has about a three- or four-page uh, thing. I'd like people to try and uh, obtain a copy of that and read it before the race. Um, it, it gives you a number of, uh, from a true veteran. I mean, Bob Bauer is, has been down there, and he took the time out to write about a three- or four-page uh, thing called Life is a One-Lap Race. And he talks about plan ahead. Leave earlier than you would normally do it. Expect delays. Uh, get plenty of sleep. Don't think that you can dr- you can man it up and, and drive and drive and drive. Change drivers uh, when you're chasing. Chase chase vehicles are just as susceptible to uh, you know accidents and injuries as a, as race vehicles, if not more. Uh, hey Mark, do me a favor. Let let your dad know we really appreciate uh, him wrangling you up and and him calling in tonight, would you? Yeah, I appreciate appreciate having me on the show and uh, asking a couple questions. So. Absolutely. Well, and also, why don't you mention your uh, the company website and so that people can get a hold of you? Yeah, McNeilRacingInc.com. Um, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you need, we're we're all on there. So, um, yeah, check us out on the web. Absolutely, and it's McNeilRacingInc.com. Uh, Mark McNeil, uh, champion desert off-road racer, thank you very much for calling in. And Baja Bill Fuentes calling in, too. <laughs> hey, we look forward to all your reports after the Baja 1000. You guys be safe, and uh, have a great race. Thank, thank you. you, man. All right. See you later, guys. See ya. Bye. I drove to the Tuli with no one around. I shut off the motor and turned off the light. She told me, I want you, 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.